Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Flyers podcast for Wednesday, December 29th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that cannot believe we are talking about an actual game that is supposed to take place tonight, Russ. I'm tempering my excitement. (laughs) Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Flyers. You'll get all of our episode information, Flyers news. You can also email us at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here with Russ Cohen, who is on Twitter at Sportsology. On today's show, we are going to talk about the news from Flyers practice yesterday, which was sort of the last info we got before they took off on that jet plane to Seattle. We are going to preview that game against the Kraken, and then we're going to talk a little bit about Brian Zanetti, who is a prospect in World Juniors, and we have a little interview that Russ did of him way back at training camp. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening right now. So subscribe and you'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked on Sports Network. So at practice yesterday, the Flyers saw the return of Morgan Frost and Kevin Hayes, who are both cleared off the COVID protocol list, which we had anticipated based on what they were saying the day before. But obviously, we weren't going to know until testing happened. So that was good to see because the Flyers were kind of lacking in the center department without them. (laughs) They were. Uh, In addition to that, uh, we had talked about on yesterday's show that they really needed to get another goaltender to take with them on the trip because right now Carter Hart is on the protocol list. And so they had uh, Martin Jones and Felix Sandstrom as your starter and your backup, at least, you know, to get going on this road trip. And so, indeed, we did see Kirill Ustamenko join practice yesterday, which was the right move. Yeah, but he's not going to play. We know that. Um, the, the unless there's an emergency. Yes. I mean, knock on wood. Never, yes, we, yes. I didn't like the way Yo was playing this though, as far as the goaltending. Like the one thing about Sandstrom is he does need a schedule. He's the kind of guy that does need to know what's going on and to kind of leave it up in the air that maybe Jones is going to play these first two games. I don't think is good for Sandstrom. And so I have to say, I don't like the fact that he, Yo is basically going to see how he does, see how Jones does, and then make a decision. Like, this is a young goalie. Like, you should set a goalie schedule. That's what you should do. Yeah, I think it's really unfortunate because the reason behind that is giving Jones a chance to play against the Sharks, his old team. And it's really, you know, an emotional thing. Yeah, I don't even care. I don't care about any of these things. Blow it all up. That's the thing, is that it shouldn't be. I I think that you're right, that they need to make this schedule clear to them. And I understand the desire to want to give Jones that opportunity, but you can't do that. Like with goalies, Mm -mm. you just can't, based on how they operate. So in addition to Ustamenko, uh, they decided to add an extra defenseman to the taxi squad, and that is 
Cam York, which I think was an interesting decision based on, you know, how we've been talking about it, that we really thought Zamula was the better option in Mm -hmm. general. Now, so there's two things about this. Does that mean they really aren't going to play York and he's just going for the experience? Or do they feel like he's really the next guy? I don't know how to take it, so I'm not sure. But I will tell you this. With Keith Yandel on the roster and you've got Cam York now as a, as a taxi guy, like how does Yandel even still have a, a roster spot? You, you might as well just try out York since you're already making him come on the trip. I think it is weird the way that this played out. I think you're right about potentially it being an experience thing mm-hmm. rather than a who's the best player to put in that slot because maybe they just want Zamula to get a chance to keep playing more games with Lehigh mm-hmm. Valley if those games take place. We know right, some if. of them are, are not. But, you know, there, there could be any number of reasons for it. But I, I do think that if you're just going based on who deserved next up, it probably should have been Zamula. Well, let me just ask this basic question. It's a really basic question. Does Keith Yandel make the Flyers better in any category, right? At this moment, he doesn't. I was saying for a while, yeah, you know, the power play should have been his thing, but even he was failing at that. So, yeah, he he doesn't make them better in any way. I I don't think so either. It's just such a rough spot the Flyers are in with this Ironman streak. I feel like it's locked them in. I really feel like Yeah, it was a risk signing him knowing that. Yes, yes. So I don't know. I also thought it was a a little weird that they only have one extra forward on the trip, but two extra defensemen. Right. I don't know that that's enough. It just doesn't feel like enough knowing how everything is going. These West Coast trips, just because you have these extra guys now, they could evaporate quickly. I could still envision the Flyers being short on the bench for some of these West Coast games because they can't get anybody to them in time. Yeah, I mean, the only one they could do it for probably is that Kings game or the Ducks game. But again, that would have to be, you know, a pretty quick turnaround with the logistics and the additional testing and all of that. So at any rate, what we have right now is a line with Lindblom, Drew and Atkinson and then Farabee, Hayes, Konechny. Sure, that's fine. We have Mm -hmm. our not our preferred preferred fourth line because Bunneman isn't there, but yeah. Wilman Brown McEwen is like of their existing lines. This was the ideal yep. fourth line. So that's pretty good. Then we have a really interesting combo for the third line, which is Morgan Frost centering JVR and Jerry Mayhew. Now, I say it's a really good opportunity for Frost and Mayhew because they played really well together with the Phantoms this year. They did, but we both felt like Mayhew was existing because of Frost. Mm-hmm. Like, you could see that on a lot of plays. So, I Could it again, happen at the NHL level? Possibly. I mean, yeah, I guess anything is possible. I'll go with, with that for a minute. But then I want to ask you, if Jerry Mayhew never played for the Minnesota Wild, would he be getting this chance? I feel like no. I have to ask that. No, I don't think so. But again, he is the Phantoms top scorer. So I know, I know. It's it's hard to say, oh, it's just this favoritism because he has been producing. There, but again, on another show, after the show ended, I was talking about this guy, Brad Smith, right? And he is in the AHL Hall of Fame. And if I told you what Brad Smith's numbers were at the AHL and how many times he would get called up and not be able to score, it would... It would astound you. Like, he he was a 50-goal scorer in juniors. 
He scored 68 goals for the Carolina Monarchs in 95-96. He had 29 goals for the Wolfpack. He had 25-39. He had 50 for the Wolfpack when I was covering the Rangers. They brought him up. He couldn't score. He scored 34 goals. The Senators sign him. They have him for 12 games. He gets three goals. Like he just, he was an AHL machine, but he was not, he scored 15 NHL goals. I don't know. I think this is like, in the grand scheme of things, not the biggest deal. No, no, it's not. But it does show the line of, hey, we're going to sign these ex-Minnesota Wild guys that we previously scouted and we're going to kind of put them in a lineup regardless. That's what it does show. Yeah, I, I don't know. Let, let's give him a game and then I'll sure. <laughs> make okay. some additional That's fine. Uh, analysis on that. And I, I do think, you know, if that if he just looks lost out there, you do have the option of moving Wilman up to the third line and Kate's on the fourth line. And I, mm-hmm. I think that's reasonable, given again, given the circumstances. This is not ideal by any stretch. No, I would rather see Kate's in there and do exactly what you said. That's me. But that's OK. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him a shot for this one game. Well, we are going to be talking about that shot that Jerry Mayhew is going to get up against the Kraken coming up next. But we're approaching New Year's. And so that means New Year's resolutions. And if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Bilt Bar in your plan. Bilt Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, but sometimes even better than a candy bar. Bilt Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars, which sometimes can be chalky or taste like chemicals, you want to eat healthy, but sometimes it just gets boring. Bilt Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Throw out all the sugary or calorie-filled treats and replace them with Bilt Bars so when you're craving a snack, you can reach for something that's healthy and tastes incredible. A typical Bilt Bar has about 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. And there's so many flavors to choose from, whether it's peanut butter brownie, raspberry, salted caramel, mint brownie, so many more. Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors, so check out Built.com all the time to see what they have that's new. And while you're there, go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Once again, thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. And for your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast, which has nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from our local experts. Listen to Locked On Now on your favorite podcast platform or watch on YouTube. Real quickly, before we get to the matchup tonight versus the Kraken, a couple of other little NHL tidbits, especially related to our road trip. The Ducks reported yesterday that Trevor Zegras is in COVID-19 protocol. Uh, Max Comtois and Sam Steele are, are currently on that list. We don't know when they'll be out as That's well. That's massive for all of them, yeah. I know. So we could be looking at a depleted Ducks roster uh, when we face them. But uh, who knows when they'll get out of it, if they're going to reduce the 10 game or 10 days to five days based on the CDC guidelines. So we'll we'll be keeping an eye on that for sure. The latest with the Seattle Kraken is that they currently 
have Adam Larson, Vince Dunn, Ryan Donato, and Mason Appleton on their COVID list as of recording. They just got Jamie Alexiak and Carson Soucy back yesterday. So they're getting back to full strength. They're not quite there Yeah, Donato yet. was really hot for them, but otherwise they are getting back to full strength. The big hit for them, though, was losing Brandon Tanev in yeah. their last game they played before Christmas on December 18th. They lost to the Oilers, and he suffered in a season-ending ACL injury during that game, which oof, you never like to see that. No, and that's going to slow down the memes, too. He was probably the team leader in memes. Oh, no. <laughs> he did take that amazing team photo, though. Yeah. I think the other big news out of Seattle was that Dave Haxtell shaved off the goatee, Russ. Yeah, I saw it. I saw it. He was he was back to clean shaven. I guess, you know, he um he went through the wilderness and now he uh he's found it on the other side. It's th- things are tougher on the other side. So now he's he's back to business. All business. So, we do know that um Martin Jones, like we said, is going to be in net uh, versus the Kraken. Uh, not sure who we're going to see. It might be Grubauer. Uh, yeah, just it could be Grubauer. it's their first game back. But I think that, you know, as Seattle is in terms of what kind of team they have, it's it's a pretty decent lineup that they have. I think, for me, their second line that's uh, centered by Yanni Gord mm-hmm. is the most dangerous one to me. I think um, from a transition standpoint, the, the top line still is the better scoring, but I, I agree with you on that. Uh, and if it gets to a shootout, Jordan Everly is the shootout master. But I, I'll tell you my worry about this game is their first game back, they're in front of their home crowd, and Dave Haxtell has them playing mm-hmm. the most boring game of hockey, limiting all chances, blocking everything in sight. And that becomes a struggle for the Flyers. That they have to to me, if if I'm like, yo, I'm telling the Flyers, you gotta step your foot on the gas the minute you hit the ice, and we gotta get a two goal lead in this game. Otherwise they're gonna try and suffocate us. Yeah, and I think they can do that, especially with their top two defensive pairings, right? Yeah. Yep. That Giordano is like that's almost his bread and butter. Yeah, and they have size with Alexiak and Fleury, so Yeah. It's a... Uh... It's going to be a tough battle So, since we know exactly what's going on with that style of, pe- of play from Dave Haxtall. There's no surprises. There's <laughs> really not. He's playing the same way. So what do you think the Flyers need to do in order to like get past this with the lineup that we do have? Honestly, I think they need to play the Giroux line more. So even though you're going with, you know, listing that, that from that practice, anyhow, that Hayes line as the number one line, I would have the Giroux line out more. So especially in the offensive zone where I know I can win some faceoffs, I've got to try and control the puck somehow. And so I think Giroux, Atkinson, Lindblom is a way better puck control line than Hayes, Farabee, and Konechny. Because right now, Hayes is not at the top of his game. Farabee's a pretty good puck protection guy and also uh, a guy who, who um who could hold on to it a bit and connect these iffy like that's that's not the strongest part of his game so I feel like that's the line that Giroux line even though I don't want to see him at center a lot but he is right now and I feel like without Couturier that that line's going to have to shoulder it after that 
the Farabee line's going to have to play a lot, too, because we don't know what the JVR-Frost-Mayhew line will bring. Uh, you hope that JVR will rise to the occasion. But if I had a dollar for every time I said that, we'd have a lot of money in the jar right now. Mm-hmm. You know, JVR is, at least right now, on Power Play 1 as well. And so I think that, you know... You wrote net front. Did you, you, should, you should have put that in quotes, honestly. <laughs> Which is really sort of more slot. But... <laughs> yeah. um, no, I think he's just a little too far out of net front sometimes. Yeah. But he's been getting a little better at that. But I do think the Flyers need to take advantage of any power play opportunities because I, I think that, you know, Dave Haxtell's, like, PK isn't exactly, like, the best out, out there. No. You know what I would do? Honestly, the change I would make on the power play is I would have Atkinson on the top power play I would put JVR in the second power play, and I would tell Konechny to go net front. I don't disagree with you there. I think that's you know a really good option. I think Konechny, at least as of late, has been doing that kind of net front fighting yeah. to keep his presence there. He's been able to push defensemen out in, in order to maintain that positioning um, in a way that he wasn't at the beginning of the season. So, you know, I, I don't think that's a, a terrible thought. I do think, though, that one of the things they're going to have to keep under control is not resorting to too many stretch passes. Yeah. Because that's an area I do think, especially to your point about, you know, Seattle's defensive structure, I think that's where the Flyers could get into trouble. I do think they have to keep their passes much shorter, much crisper, and that's the way they're going to get through that style of defense. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think, you know, at some point... Um, especially when Seattle has Alexiak in there, they're going to try and stand the Flyers up and not really have them get an easy zone entry uh, to set up their offense. I agree with you 100%. I think that it's just going to be, like, if they can't manage that, it's going to be a struggle, and then they're going to get frustrated. So I, th- yeah. I think the best thing for the Flyers here is to optimize what they're doing in in order to not get into that zone of frustration, which always gets them in trouble. Yeah. And one one other thing, can they just make Sandheim Ristolainen the number one pairing and have Provorov Braun be the second pairing? Like why, why do they have to continue on with this when the second pairing has been better? Listen, I don't care what they call them as long as they're putting. Well, who do you want to see play more? Which one do you want to see play more? Oh, but you can have Sanheim Risto play more and still call them the second pairing. You can just sure. call it a matchup differential. Okay, like, but will they do that? Is that what they're no. going to do? No. no. Should they do that? The most minutes. Yeah. They should do yeah. that, though, right? I think so, too. I, I think that on this road trip specifically, I think given a couple of the teams we're playing against, I, I think that second pairing is the right pairing to actually be the top pairing and be out there more with the matchups mm-hmm. and hopefully yeah. we'll see that more you know especially with them all being road games and you know not getting last change they may get stuck with that matchup and i say stuck in a not in a bad way but yeah just in a practicality way so i have actually really good hopes for for that pairing being successful all right russ so Talking about Brian Zanetti of the Peterborough Peets and now of Team 
Switzerland in the World Juniors, we have a, a few minutes of an interview that you did at, was it development camp or training camp? I, I think it was development camp still. That's why, yeah, that's what I remember. Yeah, so uh, a really interesting little conversation. Just get some insight into Brian and what he's thinking and you know what he's looking to work on to improve, to be ready for maybe an eventual role with the Phantoms and then hopefully the Flyers. He was a fourth round draft pick 110th overall and you know I think in world juniors so far he's only played one game um unfortunately the second game was canceled due to a COVID issue on team USA so technically Switzerland won that game one to nothing yep um but we did see him play in one game Uh, unfortunately it was a little bit lopsided yeah so it was kind of hard to get a total sense of his play, but what did you see out there? I mean, he's a good player. He's a, he's a good skater. I think he um, he tries to use his body when he can. He can. He does need to get physically stronger, but I think he is getting used to the North American ice, and that was a big uh, thing for him this year. Coming into uh, you know playing with Peterborough, then going into the World Juniors, playing on that North American ice. I think the transition's going well. I think that's the most important thing for him this year, actually. Well, without further ado, here is Russ's conversation with Brian Zanetti. To learn uh, what I can do better, to learn uh, from the older guys, and it's amazing to be here. What's the biggest lesson you feel like you've learned from the NHL players that have been here and that you've gotten to work out with and see how their routines go? Uh, they work hard every day, so the main point is this one. So also in the gym every time and on ice, they go 100% every time. And yeah, it's an amazing feeling to be here with them, to learn uh, how they train, are you the most starstruck when it comes to being in the gym with some of these players? Who are you the most, uh, I guess, impressed by? I think uh, Ryan Ellis because uh, he works so hard and um, also do some extra um, uh, extra things for the skating and stuff like that. And uh, it's also a good guy. And um, we talked uh, two times, and he was very kind with me. So it's an amazing person. Back to draft day, and uh, did you expect to get drafted that high? And what were your expectations going into the draft? Uh, honestly, I didn't expect nothing because uh, I was calm, and uh, uh, yeah, my goal was to be drafted. And uh, when I was picked by Philadelphia in four round, it was amazing. And uh, yeah. It was higher than you expected? Uh, honestly, just a bit higher. But I know that the way is, uh, is a long way to, to play in the NHL. So yeah, it's a good start, but I have to keep working and go hard every time. How much do you feel you've improved over the summer from the one camp to now? 
I think a lot because uh, watching the older guys and uh, watching what they do and uh, pick every time some details to, to be better. And uh, as I said, uh, watch the NHL players in the gym and on ice, it's amazing. And uh, I think that uh, I'm getting better every time and uh, I feel great. You will definitely play at Peterborough this year? Yeah, the plan is that. I'm working hard every time and here at the camp I, I'm going all out to prepare myself uh, in the best way as possible. Do you expect a big change in, in adapting to the North American rigs? Is that going to be difficult? Uh, I don't know because uh, when I when I came here, um, I think that too. But uh, when I trained after two or three trainings and practice was uh, was getting better every time, and now I'm used to play here, so. It's not difficult. What's the biggest change though, the biggest challenge in a, a smaller rink? It's a little bit faster than the European uh, rink, but it's hockey, so it doesn't change nothing. You said you met uh, Ellis. Have you met any of the other Flyers defensemen and what's it been like just chatting with them? Yeah, I chat also with Aristolainen, uh, uh, Provorov and some other guys. So. Every guy is so kind with also with the younger guys and uh, yeah, it's amazing to to know also the NHL players. Is there any defenseman you kind of model your game after, maybe any NHL defenseman that we would know that you model your game after? Uh, Philadelphia players. Oh, or any NHL player that you kind of look up to and like to play like them? Oh, since I was young I looked to Romagnosi, so the Swiss guy and um, since I was years when I started to play hockey. Mm -hmm. uh, I watched him, I'm watching him and uh, yeah, my goal is to be not like him because it's so good and uh, yeah, to be like him. All right, thanks again, Russ, for sharing that with us. That was mm -hmm. really cool to be able to include in today's episode. Um, wrapping things up, this is not really a Flyers fun thing, but is a hockey fun thing. And it's a bit of an update related to the women's U18 tournament cancellation and just some mix-ups online that turned into this strange confluence of events where <laughs> we now have this very, very tiny organization called the International Horse Cooperative that incorrectly got mentioned in a tweet that somebody posted about this whole U18 issue yeah. instead of the IIHC. It was the IHC. And then this little horse organization decided to jump on board and start talking about hockey and, you know, how the... U18 women's tournament should still be happening and then has now continued to tweet about, you know, uh, about other issues in hockey, including uh, John Van Beesbrook being given the USA hockey men's Olympic team GM job and, and some other issues as well. And it's so remarkable. So they, they've taken the cue from four seasons landscaping. Exactly. Like that's, that's what exactly. they've done. Exactly. 
<laughs> and if you just go through their whole feed, it's unreal. And, you know, they are also including horse content in it. And, you know, they had people like rename hockey players as if they were horses. They did like a whole theme. I'm going to follow them because oh I'm a horse God. guy. I've taken so lessons. Great. I ride English. I mean, so I'm, I'm going to follow them. Yeah, it, they're a really good follow and they're really just enjoying the spirit of the situation and I love all of the content here. It's fantastic. All right, that'll do it for today's show. So we will be back again tomorrow and we're going to recap the game against the Kraken. We're going to talk a little bit about the matchup against the Sharks. And then we are going to take Friday off, just a programming note, and we will talk Mm -hmm. about the Sharks game along with the Kings game when we come back for Monday's show. So stay tuned for all of that. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. You can send us in your mailbag questions via Twitter at LockdownFlyers, or you can email the show at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen today. Now make your next listen Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling.